Broadcasting from the commodity capital of the world, Zurich, Switzerland, this is Insider's Guide to Energy. This edition to Insider's Guide to Energy is brought to you by Fidectus. Go to www.fidectus.com for more information. Welcome everyone to the mini-series Next Generation Energy Leaders of the podcast Insider's Guide to Energy. My name is Luca. And I'm Manu, and we are your hosts for today. In today's episode, we are very happy to have with us Pepi Seppale. Pepi is a member of a local council and a part of the Young Green Party in Finland. Finland has recently commissioned the first worst long-term storage facility for nuclear waste, and we are eager to talk to her about the role of nuclear energy in the energy transition. Yeah, I'm very much looking forward to hearing Pepi's take on nuclear energy. Um, she's been on the news for being a green politician favoring nuclear energy. And I've, we thought that's reason enough to have her on the show uh, to, to, to see and hear what she knows and has to say. Um, we just really quickly want to highlight here, um, we don't stand for a political viewpoint in this podcast. We are just eager to learn about the different technologies and policies out there in the energy industry. A lot of in- exciting topics to cover today. So let's welcome her. Hi, Pepe. It's a pleasure to have us with you today. Hi, great to be here. So jumping right in, could you briefly introduce yourself and what you do to the audience? Hi, I'm Pepe Seppala. I'm a leader of Young Greens in Finland, and then I'm a city councillor in Espo and Sounds like a like, well, full-time politician. And then I also study energy engineering at Aalto University. So I actually, this my work, my working work background more than actually my political standpoint. That's very cool. So so tell us a bit from, from being a student of energy science to becoming a city councillor. Um, how does that transition go? And also, how did you get into politics uh, in general? Uh, I think it, the transition goes quite smoothly. Uh, that part is Espo doesn't own its own energy company, so I cannot be in the board of energy companies. That was like really disappointing. But otherwise, <laughs> I feel that it's uh, very good that the politicians have some kind of background other than just politics, because it helps you to understand like what the people who are working on stuff are actually actually doing what is possible, what is not. You are not just running the city by reading some headlines like, okay, I read that there is this kind of technology. Why don't we use it? And it's like, yeah, they are developing it. And it's like in 30 years, they can maybe use it, but it's not at the moment. So I've seen a lot of politics just like reading the papers and being like, okay, I know what this stuff is. And I'm like, yeah, I've been studying this for years. It doesn't really work like that. So what's like, what's jurisdictions in terms of energy politics go into the, let's say, into the field of the city councillor? What what kind of, what kinds of, of, of things can you decide on actually? Uh, well, we decide how do we heat the city. That's like the big part because uh, heating in Finland, it's like city's responsibility to decide like what kind of um, solution they offer and what kind of uh, faculties you can build inside the city. Like, can you build nuclear power plant or can you build a coal, fa- coal plant to burn coal or do you pl- build uh, geothermal energy? So that's like the planning side of that is part of city's responsibilities, but also the cities use electricity and heat, like what kind of energy we are using inside of the city. And then if you count the fuels as a part of energy, 
then we go like really big and then it's about transportation and cars and do we uh, favor public transportation what kind of roads we build and then it's like it depends how what the scope is but it can go like everything about the city is about energy and it's like i think for me the society is like how we use energy and if you talk about society it's about politics so i think they are really combined together and you cannot really talk one without other What's the plan for the energy mix in your city then? What's the roadmap? We plan to be energy carbon neutral 2035. So uh, that's, uh, well, that's always like what you count as a part of like cities' uh, responsibilities. Like are the citizens, what they are buying is that part of the like, city's responsibility and how they move and that kind of things. Uh, but in Espo, we don't own our own uh heat production but the Fortum owns and we are uh, doing uh, cooperation with them and the Fortum has planned how they will lower the carbon uh, footprint and the biggest part in the but we actually just approved it uh, we are going to have a data, data center and the data center uses a lot of electricity but by that they also produce a lot of heat and in countries that don't really use uh, need uh, warming then the heat will go just outside but in Finland, because it's a country, we will actually take that heat that is coming from the data center and use it that to heat our homes in Finland. So that's like big part of how Espo will be carbon neutral. Is, is that data center going to be um, part of a, a company or, or how? Yeah, it's like Microsoft's data centers. Yeah. And because the Finland has the electricity in Finland is actually quite clean. We don't use really much coal to produce it. And also Microsoft is going to be more climate neutral. Very interesting. Let's uh, talk about nuclear power or more specifically like the political acceptance of uh, uh, nuclear power in Finland. What are the special conditions in Finland that made uh, you and your party shift the line on nuclear power? Well, for me... Personally, I think when I was younger, I was actually against the nuclear power because I read this book, like nuclear power plants are scary and we should be uh, scared about it. And when the climate change happens, we will all die because of the nuclear waste. But uh, then I started my studies and I actually have to learn how nuclear power plant works. And then when I knew how it works, that then I was like, oh, this is not actually that scary. And well, and then I looked at charts, like how if we want to replace all the coal and all the nuclear power plants, we would leak like tons of renewable. So then I figured out it's maybe easier to first replace the like fossil fuels and then maybe talk about how we are going to replace the nuclear power plants, but maybe not to do that same time. So, but in Finland, uh, there's a lot of like discussion, like what is the difference? Uh, I think one and a couple of the reasons are like Finnish, Finnish people are quite um, engineering country. Uh, and that's like one thing that at least I think Finnish people want to believe and that's the reason. Uh, the second part is uh, that we like uh, the system is a bit different. Like actually companies are owning the nuclear power, power plants and that's why it's a little bit different than the government is not owning them. And uh, but then it also comes to that that we have so solved the uh, storage problem because in a lot of countries there is no solution for the waste so problem. And I think for the Finnish people to feel comfortable about nuclear, nuclear waste, that it helps when you have solution. If you don't have it, I think I would also be a little bit more skeptical, like, okay, we are producing this waste, but we don't have any plan where to put it. So 
that I think is like one of the main reasons because we have the solution, but also the Finnish uh, companies that have the nuclear, nuclear power plants, they are actively having discussion with Finnish people. So they have like this visitor center. I was talking with one guy from Germany and he was like, her, his parents lived next to a nuclear power plant, but they have never been inside of it. But in Olkiluoto, they actually have this visitor center. You can go. Okay, now you can go because of the virus. But still, like normal days, you can just go there. They have like a, a video clip showing like what is inside. They have replicas of the waste uh, barrels of uh, going to put the nuclear waste. And you can like check it out. And they will explain like, okay, this is how it works. This is how it looks like. This is what we are doing. This is how we have... Uh, prepared for the disasters and they are very open about what they're doing and i think that helps because it's not like something mystical and dangerous they are doing behind the fence and you cannot know it they're like well hey welcome you can come visit us and let's talk about it so i think for people that really helps to feel more secure and you don't have to be scared of the, like the, the, uh, like the these factories because you actually know how they work one critical point is um, renewable energies are very very cheap when it comes to the, the cost of electricity and and when we when we look at the cost of, of nuclear i mean you guys have recently commissioned the world's first long-term storage facility for nuclear but that comes at a price right so so what what, what would you say to someone saying well nuclear is just economically completely not viable well i think it's a little bit part of like the politics because i think it's not about nuclear versus renewables it should be both of them versus uh, 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 fossil fuels and the fossil fuels are way too cheap at the moment so i think it should not be comparing like which of those is too cheap but i think they should both should be cheaper than the fossil fuels uh and then i think as, well, as a politician i think i shouldn't make that decision like what is better I think from my job is to make that the fast, fast factories, the owners, the people who are buying the electricity, they can choose. It's not like I don't have any uh, like uh, favorites, and I shouldn't have shouldn't have as a politician because I should be as long as carbon free, as long as it doesn't destroy the nature. It uh, workers are it's ethical. Then I think it should be something that the buyer decides what they want to buy. And if nobody wants to use nuclear power plants and we can do it without, then that's really good. Like, I'm not complaining. So I think the price discussion is a little bit like, it depends about how you use. If you want to have stable energy, then you are willing to pay a little bit more for that security. And if you are okay with the price changing or maybe like unchanging quite much in some cases. So if there's low wind, then the price can go work really high. And if you're willing to take that risk, then that's your business model. I'm not going <laughs> to make that decision for you. So there is uh, no subsidizing of nuclear energy in Finland? No. That we have some subsidizes for wind energy, but they are also now like, uh, going down. Decreasing. Yeah, decreasing, yeah. What about that? You have that. Uh, we, we, we've kind of touched upon that uh, storage facility. Um, I think in our pre-call, you mentioned that you actually visited the the facility is that right yeah i have been there like down there <laughs> inside the earth <laughs> it was quite moist and like uh deep and it's like you can actually feel like in your body that you are like really down uh, underground because you can like somehow sense the pressure of like the mass of land on top of you so we didn't go really like in the deepest point but it was still like 
okay, it's a little bit scary. <laughs> Do you know anything about the capacity of this uh, storage facility? So it's for all of Finland for hundreds of years or how big is the yeah, plane? Yeah, it's uh, like from all of Finland. So we have a four nuclear energy plant. It's, it will fit all the ways that those factories will produce in their lifetime. But it's like got this tunnel network, so you can also expand it if there would be like uh, more uh, nuclear nuclear factories. And we actually have the finish, uh, fifth nuclear energy factory. It started running like test run this year, and it should be like ready next year. But and that's also scaled to fit inside of that uh, envelope. But uh, it's not like the base of dark rock formation that it, it uses, it's not really uh, rare in Finland. So you can build the same system as somewhere else. Also, if it, if it would have more nuclear waste in long time, but at the moment it fits, it fits to all the nuclear waste in, in Finland and what is going to be in the future. I mean, the most difficult uh, thing is usually finding a place where people accept that it will be in that place, like not, the, not in my backyard situation. So what that was that an issue when they started building this? Uh, it's a, it's in Olkiluoto. It's same place that there are two of the nuclear, uh, nuclear energy pack, uh, are in Finland. So it's actually well, it's also going to be expected that there is radiation. So it's not like a new place. But of course, if we would try to build somewhere else, then we would have to have that discussion again. But uh, in Finland. Yeah, I think it depends like where you want to put it. Like middle of Helsinki would be really problematic. Middle of maybe Lapland, people would be maybe more willing to discuss this uh, scenario. But yeah, it's, it's, this one should fit all, everything. So it's not really a uh, current discussion to have more space. And it's also it's scalable for more up, scalable. So you can actually store even more there than it's scaled at the moment. What also comes to my mind is the question of when you have such a long-term facility, how do you make sure that in, let's say, a thousand years, people will actually know that something is there and they shouldn't dig, even though maybe, I don't know, the civilization could completely change and people could be speaking a completely different language. So I think, I think that's a really funny thought. Uh, maybe that's also included in the planning of the whole uh, facility. It actually has been. Uh, it's like uh, they, I think they one point like some, uh, I think association had like this big uh, planning discussion about like what sign would be readable like after thousands of years. But uh, but I think the basic plan is like nobody should like um, why would they dig hole in there? It's not really real place. Real place that it has something like you should go there. I mean it's unfinished. You cannot really pinpoint it from the other places and at least for a thousand years there's going to be like big trees and that kind of things if somehow there is not any more nuclear power plant. So uh, it's like why would you dig there and how would you know there is something and even if you would dig, uh, it's like fill up fill with rock so you cannot really just drop inside of tunnels and go wandering. It would be just filled up so you have to, have to dig quite a lot. Uh, to reach the barrels, so it's not something you can like accidentally reach. And the nuclear waste, it's like it's dangerous, but uh, most of it will be like the low radiation. Uh, what you comes after you destroy the factor uh, power plant, and it's just maybe cement and concrete, and it has yeah, it's maybe a little bit radiation, but not something that it would actually harm you. So the most dangerous thing is uh, nuclear 
uh, like like the rods, rods of like the high high radiation waste, and amount of that is not going to be that big. I think the way amount like how dangerous the waste is is quite over exaggerated. And in Finland, we actually have radon in our uh, like a base base rock. And that is actually causes a lot of cancers in Finland because people don't have proper insulation in their basement and they actually get radon uh, radiation and that's why they get cancer in their lungs. So uh, I think it would be a little bit more similar to that. And it's not like we are constantly checking checking like, oh, how is your radon inside of your house? (laughs) So I think it's funny, like this is something like maybe thousands a year you are going to have this. And so I think it's more about... Do we have society in thousand years because of the climate change? So, but you you would not. Um, there are not plans to. I mean, it's also not allowed by international law, probably, to ship around nuclear wastes. But if you would have like a big facility and other countries don't, there are no plans of um, also taking in nuclear waste from other countries. Well, yeah, it's illegal, so not really big plans at the moment. For personally. I have thought about this, like how would I feel about that idea? I think it depends how much they would pay. Uh, that's like, if we can just, everybody quit our jobs and live with that money in Finland, I think people would be very like liking this idea. But <laughs> if it wouldn't be that big amount, I think it really depends like what countries, how is transportation done, it, would it feel safe? Uh, like could it be it has some problems because every time you move it then it's more like uh, cases that you can have accident and it doesn't go as planned but uh, the system that we have in Finland it's not like you couldn't do in also other parts of Europe so I think that is like the big discussion for the countries that have nuclear power plants like how what are they going to do with the waste and also in public like what we feel that is enough I think the Finnish solution is quite good, like the best we can have. Like below that, we just uh, ship, take a spaceship and send it to the uh, like uh, out of the out of the out of this earth. So if we don't send it to space, then I think it's best to bury it under. Which has been it. suggested, no? Yes. <laughs> Some people are saying, but uh, again, if it goes something goes wrong there, yeah. So you mentioned that uh, now just recently a new facility will go online. So uh, nuclear seems to have a bright future in Finland. But um, we also wanted to have a bit uh, a talk about uh, energy independence. Um, I mean, you are still dependent on uranium when you have nuclear power. So what do you think about this? We actually have nu- uh, uranium mine in Finland. Uh, it's not that rare element so actually can be found in Finnish ground, but we don't have the facility to reach make it like the nuclear power, uh, like the fuel. But it's uh, at the moment we are actually buying it from, we were buying it from Russia. Uh, we have uh, storage for a couple of years for the factory, so it does. It's not like we accurately need to buy more. Uh, so, but probably we'll buy somewhere else, and uh, it is possible to switch the producer of like where you buy it so yeah um so it's like yeah in a way it's not like as independent but i feel it's a lot less uh dependent on other countries if you compare it to fossil fuels and then if you think about solar panels wind turbines it's not like finnish 
we have all the material for that in, inside of our borders. So I think in current days, it's not like any energy you can be fully independent on every all the other countries, or maybe then if you are China, then yes, maybe. Uh, but after that, like all the countries are some way dependent on other, but I think it's more how often do you need to be in the, dependent on other countries? If it's like between couple years, so if it's like weekly coal and coal or it's like the gas that you actually have, like the pipe coming from Russia, and if they shut it down, you are immediately running out. So, so you and your your work, you have uh, different types of work. So, what you, what fulfills you and what motivates you in your daily work? Um, I think it's like I can actually make a change uh, in the world. So you can actually uh, get some idea, try to promote it to other people, and finally you can see that it's a law or it's the sense of your party, and a lot of people are agreeing with it and trying to make the change. And of course, our party has been always like trying to stop the climate change. So every day that you feel that like you're actually doing something to make a change and actually stopping the climate change and trying to make uh, using fossil fuels like outlawed. So I think that uh, makes you feel that you're actually doing something. We have another question that we always like to ask our guests, and, and that's, if you could beam yourself back to being just a recent graduate or what recommendations or what would you give on the on the way of someone just entering the industry or entering the political field? Uh, I would recommend to study something like concrete and actually having to understand what is possible, what is not, uh, how these things are used. And that kind of understanding, I think that's uh, valuable when you are actually making legislation, when you know what is physically possible. And it's just like, well, I think it would be ideal if it would work like this. But then it's like, yeah, it doesn't. So for me, it's like study something real work, real places, uh, not just inside of the government, uh, code factories, or like all sorts of things, like other than politics, and then go to politics and then you actually know something. <laughs> Well said. So, Luca, do you have uh, any more questions? No, I had all my interesting points um, answered. Thank you yeah. very much. So I think uh, we're coming to an end. Thank you so much, Peppi, for being on the show. It has been a great pleasure talking with you. Yeah, thanks yeah, for inviting me. This has been excellent discussion. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah, it's been very insightful. Um, looking forward to hearing more from you in the future and for our listeners thank you so much for joining us today and remember to like and subscribe to our show we're looking forward to talk to you soon goodbye